Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. And George Conway, uh, thanks for being on this morning. I'd be remiss uh, not to ask you about uh, the story about John Weaver, who is a founding member of the Lincoln Project. 21 men accusing him of online harassment. I didn't know John very well. I frankly only spoke to him a couple of times on the phone early on in the Lincoln Project. It leaves me speechless, frankly. All right. I've actually known about this pattern of behavior since 1988. All I want to say is, is that the 21 statements from those 21 young men who talked about uh, how they've been approached by Mr. Weaver, that statement speaks for itself. But the biggest loss of capital here will be the human capital of young men who are sitting and staring at their phone and watching the price of Bitcoin or the price of AMC. And ask yourself, would you be better off taking that one, two, or three hours a day and working out, trying to form relationships with mentors, with, with, with romantic relationships, with people at work? I think I'd rather hang out with John Weaver than that last guy. <laughs> Oh, man. You know what? I'm in a good mood today, Allison. I'm not going to let anything bother me. We're having a uh, Northeastern, as uh, <laughs> Bill Hazelgrove would say, a Nor'easter up here, although it seems to have calmed down a little bit, but I guess we're gonna, it's going to be windy, et cetera, through tomorrow, through tomorrow, which for you may be today. Hey, um, what is that? Um, what was I just saying? Before I talked about the weather, needlessly, Alice. That you wouldn't want to hang out with the guy. Oh yeah, you know what? It's you know what? It's nice to not have hanging over your head. What? It's nice to not have twenty-seven complaints by young men that you were trying to have sex with them. It's nice to not have that. Yeah. 
And so yeah, it's I nice don't, to not oh, worry who's going to come well, forward right. about you. <laughs> well, no, just I mean, literally personally. Right. I don't have that, mm-hmm. and I don't think I ever will. I am fairly confident <laughs> that of Let's all the hope. downfalls and all the things I have to worry about, that that's mm-hmm. not going to be one of them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. Uh, there's not going to be 27 women either. There certainly could be a good, healthy handful of women to talk about my low character. There's no doubt about that, including my <laughs> yeah, you, yes. me. Wait, <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just nice. You know, there was one time we got in trouble in school, um, and, and with, with the police in Winchester, and a friend of mine had just done something stupid, and so the police. Oh, the police like came and um, my friend, a friend of mine, had bullied a kid. Essentially, mm-hmm. not re- well. Essentially, it, I don't know. Anyway, okay, we'll get to the point. It doesn't matter. I, anyway, I didn't do anything, but I was happened to be around, so I was collared and the thing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, the cop stopped and talked to us and said, hey, "You guys can't do this. Whatever we talked to this kid and whatever." And I was really, um, I was scared to death. And then they said that they'd be talking to our parents, and and my mother was home, and I said, uh, oh, I, I just I was had this horrible feeling that I was in trouble, and I was going to be in trouble, even though I didn't do it. I wasn't even the one who did anything, but idiot, and you know who you are, did something. Um, and although it wasn't as egregious as they can, it doesn't matter. But anyway, that horrible feeling that the shoe was about to drop because you just screwed up, or like mm-hmm. in in broadcasting, you know, sometimes there was one time when then. When one of the hosts and I had a little funny conversation that is absolutely would have gotten us fired, and we were just waiting, and the Globe called up and said, "Did you guys say this stuff?" It was just some. We were working blue that day for some reason, mm-hmm. and we say we said uh, we blew off the reporter. We're like, it's only a matter of time before we're fired here <laughs> for this having happened, and it's like it's it's scary. You're like, oh. mm-hmm. it's nice to not have that. And that's a great thing about getting older and being I, – I had it more when I was younger because I used to screw up more when I was younger. But it's nice – there's no chance – it's like the Mad Men episode when Don Draper is hanging out with the stoners. Mm-hmm. And the guy you – know, the stoner says his Draper's leaving in the morning says, hey, look out, dude, there's cops there. And he said, I don't have to look out. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, it's just nice to not have to look out. So I, I don't have 27 men uh, who are going to ever, uh, you know, ever – Accuse me of something like that. And it's just a nice feeling to not have it. Mm-hmm. You, so you're a good person, so you don't know what it's like to have been a bad person at times and know that the reckoning's coming. But guy, mostly guys have been in trouble one way or another <laughs> and know that the bleep could hit the fan. Mm-hmm. And it's just nice. So I am celebrating that, Alice, today, that it is nice. <laughs> I don't have to worry. I don't have to worry about being George Conway, who's Kelly Ann's really abusive husband. Uh, you know, sitting with um with Mika and Joe and Mika, you know, if reluctantly she hates to do it because he's such a good person, George Conway, a guy who's mm-hmm. been outwardly abusive to his wife now, really, and his daughter for, for years. Yes, for years. But so George Conway uh, is on with Mika, and she doesn't. She hates to do it, but she's got to ask him about this John Weaver. If you don't know, John Weaver was one of the founders of the Lincoln Project, who were all these opportunist. Guys who turned on against Trump to cash out and make a bunch of money, mm-hmm. etc. They're just third dirtbags. Doesn't doesn't matter. Uh, but John Weaver, one of them, has been found to uh, be a bit of a uh, predator. It seems mm-hmm. uh, going after uh, young men, 
And uh, one so as young as fourteen. I oh, think. really? Yeah. So he's been found out, and uh, so he's in deep kimchi now. And the Lincoln Project people are a little embarrassed, I would say. So this is George Conway, one of the Lincoln Project people, having mm-hmm. to uh, take a question from uh, Mika, Mika um, Scarborough. Now, I guess I don't even know about this issue. And George Conway, uh, thanks for being on this morning. I'd be remiss uh, not to ask you about uh, the story about John Weaver, who is a founding member of the Lincoln Project. Now, she'd be remiss because she's still a journalist and she couldn't let him get out out of the segment without Mm -hmm. asking him about this very pressing and important issue. 21 men accusing him of online harassment. Your organization has a pretty clear statement on this kind of harassment, um, but wanted to ask you directly about this issue. Yeah, it's it's terrible and awful and appalling and unfathomable. I, I, I didn't know John very well. I frankly only spoke to him a couple of times on the phone early on in the Lincoln Project. Um, I just, I, I, it's almost- You didn't know him very well. I don't know even know what to say. It's just, it's just terrible. And um, I, uh, it leaves me speechless, frankly. All right. All right, says the reporter. That's it. Okay. <laughs> Good enough for me. Well, thank you so much for being on. And we, we certainly hope to have you back. And I, I appreciate you taking that question. We'll be following. Oh. Wow, wasn't that so good of him to put up with her asking him about the huge news story about the Lincoln Project? And I'm going to ask you, and no matter what you say, all right, that's it. Great the job. Thank you for taking light. that question. Thank you. Not like uh, was there any um, com- were there conversations about this? Is was he known in conservative circles as having had a problem like this? Mm-hmm. Uh, did there was no indication? There was. Did, did you ask nothing? for uh, recommendations before you took him on in the Lincoln Project? Because some people did know there was. Um, well, I'm the- glad you say that. So let's go to some mm-hmm. of the people that did know. Alice, um, Martha McCallum. Who's been uh, thrust down into daytime in uh, Fox News? Spoke with a panel, including Carl Rove. Before I let you go, Carl, I want to ask you about a separate story here that's getting a lot of attention. How come the John Weaver questions always when they ask before they let them go? <laughs> so the very last thing. Attention today, the Lincoln Project has, you know, it was was founded basically uh, to be a very strong anti-Trump organization and to paper social media and everywhere else with anti-Trump messages. John Weaver was one of the people who ran it. He has a lot of accusations against him from young men uh, who call him a sexual predator. You mentioned this back in 2004, that this was a concern of yours. You know, this isn't something that anybody really wants to be vindicated on, but it turns out that you were right. Well, I didn't mention it in 2004. It was printed in an Atlantic article by Joshua Green, who's now a major figure with Bloomberg. I've actually known about this pattern of behavior since 1988. All I want to say is, is that the 21 statement, the statements from those 21 young men who talked about uh, how they'd been approached by Mr. Weaver, that statement speaks for itself. And um, I don't have anything to add to it. It's a sad, sad chapter. There you go, Carl knew, and apparently the Atlantic subsequent subsequently has been, um, or, or at that point, so they I, called it a lie. Is right. what they did. They were complaining in the article that Carl Rove keeps trying to smear the lovely John Weaver with this totally baseless lie about how he goes after young men. So <laughs> all these lies about all these people. Know. You know what's going to be very interesting? It's going to be very interesting. 
one of these media organizations, mm-hmm. a reporter out there, somebody like Jonathan Swan, a guy who was really good at taking down Trump, uh, not taking him down, but doing a a totally fortitude-filled uh, in um, interview with Trump to try to expose Trump, Trump for right. not knowing the X's and O's of the of coronavirus mm-hmm. a situation uh, in trying to spin, which, of course, Trump was trying to spin. Um, and it was Trump wasn't good with that stuff. He he doesn't his his inarticulability. What Inarticulateness. Is no, Inart- that can't be. It, it it's got to be better. Of course, I don't have the word for it. <laughs> None of us do because we're so articulate. His inability to speak and his lack of um, knowledge and ability to concentrate on what he's saying mm-hmm. what made Trump terrible at that stuff. And and, and so right. and so Jonathan Swan took advantage of it to, mm-hmm. to now somebody like Jonathan Swan who. Is one a good reporter, and two looking for blood because he wants to make a name for himself mm-hmm. and wants to be one of the best. Somebody like that is eventually going to say, "You know what? The bosses don't want me to, and I'm not going to ask permission, but I'm going to check into Hunter Biden just to do my own question asking." And you've already seen—I mean, what we've already seen—you've mm-hmm. got the guy. Blowing lines off a naked young lady. Already, that's a pretty good lead that there could be something going on with this guy or might have been something going on with this guy. Well, and just the jobs he's had are that's, like so that's, prestigious and huge right, for, like, for being the guy who's like getting strippers pregnant and doing right. lines off young ladies. Ex- exactly. Like, so <laughs> you see, like, you see that and you see, wow, this guy, Hunter's value system. Is out of whack with a lot of people mm-hmm. in that kind of station, or if it's not, and maybe it's not, maybe all of those guys, maybe once you start making right. a million bucks, uh, you know, every five months, something clicks and your id psycho comes out. Who knows? But, um, you know, somebody's going to look into that, and somebody's going to ask questions and make phone calls and ask questions, mm-hmm. and reluctant people who were once reluctant are going to feel comfortable, and it's going to be interesting. And then we're going to have to be sit here as half of the country is surprised. Oh, my God. I didn't know that. That's terrible. He did. What? My God. I mean, I've never noticed it. It's so it's it's interesting. Hunter's got a child with a stripper. Mm-hmm. This is a guy who's been on Air Force One. This is a guy who's been a, a doing business on the heels of his father. You would think that you'd want to know a little bit of something about that. Somebody is eventually going to ask a question. Or what would happen, and this would be magnificent, is if there is a if there's a schism in the party, mm-hmm. if Biden suddenly does not do right by the fanatic left. And it could come as easy as if Biden compromises on this bill, this bailout bill. If he compromises, if he lets the Republicans toss out the minimum wage, you know, that is... Or, I mean, the Republicans, there's Republicans that want to go after the direct payments, too. Which I think would be seen as a really big betrayal because that was a really big campaign promise of him. Already there's a lot of people who are mad that he said $2,000 and he's only doing the 1400 to mm-hmm. bring it up to be an actual $2,000. you know. And then like there's people that want to lower the cap. There's people that have been saying that um, part of what made the market so volatile during this GameStop stuff is that people had too much money to burn. And that yep. we should stop giving it to them because they're screwing up the market because they have too much cheap money from the government. I mean, like, that's a narrative that's happening 
in the more like corporate Wall Streety side of of both parties, frankly, because that it's sort of a cutting across party lines issue. It's yes. a populist versus anti populist issue, and there's there's this fat fra- there's this faction of the party that you know we. We heard the eggheads talking about it over Christmas. Oh, the economy will overheat if we give the poors too much money yes, during the right. pandemic. And, you know, and they're just sitting on their sofa with their $600 that we gave them. And they are screwing things up for our very important work that we're trying to do here, betting on the stock market. <laughs> like, Right. Well, let's go to one of those people right now, Alex, with a bigger conversation of the possible rift that could result in reporting mm-hmm. that could happen. One of those gentlemen who I I just saw today because Dave Portnoy of Barstool Sports uh, tweeted him out. Professor Professor Scott Galloway, who is uh, obviously an author, we're not surprised. He's a professor at UC Berkeley, and we're not surprised. And of course, he's a perfect example of a coastal elite. This is his take on all of this GameStop nonsense. Maybe you're learning here. Maybe it's fun. Fine. Maybe it's a movement. But be prepared to lose eighty to ninety percent of it. And if it's still worth it, then have at it. But the biggest loss of capital here will be the human capital of young men who are sitting and staring at their phone and watching the price of Bitcoin or the price of AMC. And ask yourself, would you be better off taking that one, two or three hours a day and working out, trying to form relationships with mentors, with 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 romantic relationships, with people at work, getting great at something so you can be the person on the other side of the trade. Well, can I read your crappy book on Kindle? Yes, absolutely. In that case, it's absolutely fine. (laughs) Well, and, I mean, these people shut down the gyms, made dating illegal, kept everyone home Which I'm sure Professor Scott Galloway is all for, by the way. Kept everyone home from work, said you can't see your family. Like... I mean, and then they're surprised that people are going to be online too much. I mean, really, come and it, on. And it's also, he's also part of the this faction of people creating this composite of who, who's doing mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And it's his aimless 26-year-old kid who should be out there uh, carpe dieming it, who's not. And there are some of those, no doubt, uh, out mm-hmm. there. But there are all sorts of folks in the, you know, on this yeah. and on this side of the, this is a culture battle. Here mm-hmm. and there are some rich people who are on the side of of the the Reddit folks right. too. I mean that Reddit forum too is people who are into Wall Street. There's a lot of people who actually are Wall Street industry people mm-hmm. who uh, were involved in that. And I've said this before, but I don't think it gets enough attention because the narrative that's sort of come up around this thing. But largely, this um, I mean, people at home with six hundred dollars do not have enough money to put into the market to kill hedge funds. That was not something that happened. Um, They certainly were a piece of what was going on here, but this was largely uh, hedge fund on hedge fund violence that was going on. And some people just happened to get involved at the right time to make some money for themselves. And the narrative that sprung up... can you take your brother out of here, please? The narrative that's sprung up is that, like, this is somehow something some 17-year-old kids did on the internet, which really isn't, like, I mean, there was definitely hedge fund money involved Mm -hmm. in raising the stock price, too. The volatility was not just from retail traders on Robinhood. That's absolutely ridiculous to even say that. They they just don't they're not enough of the money in the market to drive I don't know things. If that's that's true. Much. I, I think it's absolutely I, true. I, that's not what I heard today uh from some stock guy. 
saying that there was there are so many of these users, the small dollar pe- players, that mm-hmm. a lot of these billion dollar companies couldn't keep up with. Well, them. well, Robinhood can't. So uh, the problem at Robinhood is that. Um, By they- the way, there's no problem at Robinhood. We endorse them fully, Alice. As you know, I am now a stockbroker. I let Tom put thirty dollars in Robinhood. My application is pending. <laughs> currently, hopefully, they're not well, running a credit check. Well, yeah. So, but this is the thing, right? Is that Robinhood was, and it seems like they've tightened it up a bit now. They were letting you start to trade before your initial deposit had cleared. So that's money that, from Robinhood's perspective as an organization, they have to be backing that money. If something goes wrong and you put a stop payment on your bank payment because your investment lost 90% of its value, then, you know, they're responsible for that money. So they need to, um, they need to back these trades that they're making because they're making them for you on your behalf, basically. And they ran out of money to back trades during all this because they weren't ready to scale at this level. So that's one issue that's happening. But were these retail traders enough to drive up the price of GameStop stock from $4 to $450? I mean, that... uh. That is a no. There were bigger players that also got involved at that point that helped drive that stock price to that value. I mean, there there definitely were. There were hedge funds that got rich too. I mean, the guy who initially, um, the guy who all the I told everybody initially his name's Roaring Kitty. Now he has profiles in every big newspaper. But um, Roaring Kitty, uh, he initially put fifty thousand dollars into this stock. Mm-hmm. That's not Trump change. Right. I mean, that's the $600 stimulus didn't make a difference to Roaring Kitty. Okay. So while you, know? you So so but there my point I guess is that uh yes, there are a lot of small dollar people like Tom Shanick who just put $30 mm-hmm. into Robinhood and those add up to something. But there were also a lot of people, real Wall Street people also watch the Wall Street bets forum and they're trying to make money too. So why wouldn't they then go buy GameStop stock if this is the whole narrative around it. You know, that that's the... Right. So, and, um, yes, correct. And I'm going to get back to Scott Galloway mm-hmm. now. The greatest loss in, in capital here is, is from young men who are more prone to gambling addiction, who don't understand uh, the markets. I think we are setting ourselves up similar to how there's a ton of young women out there who became very depressed by sitting in their rooms looking at Instagram Self-cutting and self-harm skyrocket. I think you are going to see uh, uh, an explosion in young male depression. And I think a lot of it is going to be reverse engineered to apps that convince you you're part of a movement or physically addict you to your phone. Ask yourself, would your time staring at Robin Hood be, be better spent somewhere else? That is the real capital convince destruction that's taking part place of a here. Movement. Were we all were encouraged to be part of a movement this summer? Uh, yeah, I would say so. A largely social media-driven movement. Right. And I think Scott Galloway is fine with that. Uh, incredible. You know, it is, you know what's crazy? It's it, it, This guy, he needed to go and talk. No, I need to get involved with this. Things that are normal and have always been are now a little different. No, put the things back that always were like they used to be always. This is a guy who probably denigrates uh, you know, Wall Street types left and right. Mm-hmm. You know, no, no, something changed and it has to go back the way it was right now. It just has to because put it back how it was. 
I don't, what's this with people going and getting into something and having fun with their own freedom and money and, and mm-hmm. uh, own resources like that? No, 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 no. This needs to stop. These young men, now I'm worried about their mental health. They're not doing the right thing on their, on their phones anymore. Right? The real problem is that they're addicted to their phones. See? Too much screen time. If <laughs> that's not like Jesus. weird parental government, then I don't know what is. But one thing is true, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no, let's go back to that, actually. And go back to the idea that, that, that people like this, UC Berkeley... Mm-hmm. Huge purveyors of lockdowns, huge, you know, rooters for regulations with this, um, just for the hell of it. Like I told you, I just mm-hmm. talked to somebody a couple of days ago who said that if they saw somebody walking outside without a mask, he'd sure as hell go up to them and tell them to put a damn mask on. You you got people in, in Berkeley, California. Yeah. You've got the cops chasing surfers and all these stupid things that they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, it's, and it's harmful. And at the same time. Absolutely fine with what the teachers' unions are doing. Absolutely fine, mm-hmm. and it's it's uh, it's it's lauded as being heroic. In this teachers' union, people now they're getting so much support from odd, crazy progressive circles, even though they've lost a lot of support too, that they t- feel totally comfortable. Totally comfortable. This is a woman named Kirsten Roberts who runs the teachers' union in Chicago. By the way, when did all the Kristens become Kirstens? Oh, probably around my time. What's this crap? So um, this is Brianna Keeler of CNN, who now is the reasonable one, talking to Kirsten Roberts, <laughs> the, the Chicago Teachers Union person, saying, why can't the kids go to school? Your union says that agreements were reached on some serious issues like health and safety protocols, ventilation, contact tracing, and safety committees. Um, what is outstanding? What are your concerns that remain? Well, my concerns that remain, um, the Number one concern I have is that COVID is still spreading in Chicago. Many of the communities in which we teach, COVID is well above uh, 10. Wait, wait. So your concern is that there's a coronavirus. So we had to do all this stuff for you to allay those concerns. And now your concern is that there's a coronavirus. (laughs) I don't get it. They did all the things that you wanted. But there's a there's a pandemic and it's spreading percent uh, community spread. And I don't believe that we've reached um, an agreement on the question of how are vaccines going to be distributed to the people who work in the schools, uh, let alone people in those hardest hit communities. We really have not tethering themselves to yeah. the people in the hardest hit communities. I, there was one I'm not going to remember which state it was. This was a while ago. There was one state where one of the big school districts demanded it might have been one of the California ones like L.A. or San Francisco or somewhere. But they um, the teachers union demanded that the teachers be added to like the top priority for mm-hmm. the vaccine. And then um, the school district was like, cool. So then. They they added them. The state added them, and then the schools were like, "Cool." So like, then when should we start in person learning? And they were like, "Well, not till the kids are vaccinated." Then right. <laughs> like, wait. So wait. Why are we vaccinating you? Because you're not planning to go to work, even if we vaccinate you. We well, might as well but, leave you to last with the children. But then. also, you know, last March we were we believed that we wouldn't see a vaccine for two years. Mm-hmm. So was Kirsten Roberts prepared to not be in the classroom for two years? Yeah, since the they vaccine? Were all, they were they're on vacation until two years. But from they're now. still getting paid mm-hmm. for just working a couple hours a day. Yeah, well, that. I want to be clear that there are teachers that are good for whom this has been a lot more work. 
right? Because if you're going to do a yes. good job at the remote yeah, thing, but we're not, you but have to put unions. a lot more. It's not the right, teachers. Right, right. It's the unions. It's not the teachers. But this situation is harder for the good teachers and harder for the kids. Like, it's worse for teachers, too. A lot of them are doing more work than they would be if they just got to go to school and be in the classroom because they have to, like, individualize so much and deal with so many problems that kids are having because they're not in the classroom and explaining things to kids separately and all this stuff. Like, you know, you don't normally have to do, like, individual one-on-one meetings with every student. And, you know, I... I think that the the part of the issue with the remote learning thing is that it is uh, harder for the teachers to do a good job at it, and it's harder for the kids to be able to learn doing it, and um, you know it doesn't solve any childcare issues for parents either. And so it's interesting because I think that there's a lot of talk about like how much work from home will stick around after the pandemic has sort of worked its way into history, but um, I think that I think that this situation with the schools is going to do a lot more to impact the work from home situation for a lot of people because you just can't. If your kids have to be in your house all day, then then you can't have both adults leave and go to work. Right. There's it, no doubt. And, and you, we're lucky enough that I can work remotely mm-hmm. and your job is overnight. Um, it, but if you're, if you're working for the city, if you're driving the dump truck, you you got to be gone. Right. If so, you work, have a real job where you got to show up somewhere, you you yeah. got to show up. And it's also, it's difficult to do work while you're dealing with kids' schoolwork. And I'm not, you know, saying that I don't want to do stuff with my kids, but that, that affects whether or not I can work another job. So if you want people to be going and working another job or going into the office every day, if you want work from home to be over, then, um, you know, you're going to have to, put the schools back in action well i mean this just this goes to the never-ending um motto that you absolutely we need our teachers we absolutely Mm -hmm. need them they're so crucial for our kids we absolutely need them so when they tell us two years now you know you absolutely need us yeah we'll be like unless we we don't we we, well we absolutely needed you during the pandemic that's when you could have stepped up um, yeah. And now, and now we've worked out ways to live without you because yes. You- <laughs> and now we'd like that money for the new school back, if you don't mind, because we yeah. don't need it. So it's interesting because um, you know we're we're homeschooling, but our district is doing hybrid learning, which to me, like, I don't understand how that's supposed to help with the pandemic, other than the fact that you have a smaller number of kids in the classroom that kids go every other day. So half the kids go Monday, Wednesday and half or whatever, Wednesday, Friday and half go Tuesday, Thursday and then Monday's everybody's home or whatever. But then the teachers are exposed to all the kids once every two days. So I mean like I kind of understand a week on a week off cuz then like the teachers aren't exposed to as many kids, but this just seems insane to me. Plus you know, you don't know who else they're seeing on the other days. If they have parents that work, they're seeing a whole different set of kids that they're now exposed to on the other days. Like, we know people that have to... We know people that have to take their kids with them to work 
so that they can do remote learning in a remote learning childcare setting at work and be exposed to all those kids at their parents' mm-hmm. work on the days when they're not at school. And then they come back to school the next day, and if they caught COVID from one of those kids at the other place where they were, now they're going to give it to all those people, give it to the teacher, and give it and the teacher's going to give it to the other set of kids who are in the classroom. It just makes absolutely no sense to me. It's not no. a pandemic mitigation strategy to have. Well, you're the not kids as smart as Kirsten Roberts, so. I reached agreement on the question of accommodations for people like myself. I live with, in a multi generational household with uh, my public school student, as well as my elderly parents. My mother has very serious health um, concerns and disabilities come so far in COVID, we see the vaccine like a light at the end of the tunnel. And the idea of exposing her now to this virus is terrifying. So um, it's a really big issue. Well, my feeling is Kirsten Roberts does not have to go into the classroom. She doesn't have to be a teacher this year. It's fine. I mean, go on unemployment. I'm sure that the union can work out a good deal for you and that the biden administration or, there's, there's yes take balance, a leave of absence whatever there's balanced unemployment there's like plenty of ways to handle this other than i mean other than the fact that we still pay you to be a teacher and you don't show up like the other people that don't have an aged grandmother at home can go to work you know i don't how does that impact everybody else and the fact that they're doing this now when all these other people are going to work, you know, doctors and nurses are going to work and, you know, the grocery store people are going to work. All the people that work in Walmart or Home Depot or Lowe's or wherever are going to work. Like all the transportation people are going to work. Front facing people. The people that drive the snow plows are going to work. The people that do garbage trucks are going to work. Cops are going to work. I, like why? I don't understand why teachers are the only people in America who don't have to go to work right now. Right. Yeah. And, <laughs> and also like, at a time. I don't understand. At a time where it is absolutely affecting the mental well-being mm-hmm. and physical well-being, unfortunately, of young people, the kids who need them the most. Mm-hmm. And the unions are saying, sorry, kid. Better luck next time. Sucks to yeah. be you. And – um. There's really, I mean, talk about equity. There is an equity problem because mm-hmm. um, there are school districts in America that are just open. Particularly, there are a lot of private schools that are open. There are a lot of charter schools that are open. There are a lot of places where schools are just continuing on. And there are a lot of places, I mean, we have hybrid here, but there are a lot of places where schools have not been in person for a year now. There's been no in-person school. And, you know, there are parents in those places that are trying to do the right thing about the pandemic and everything and have an only child and their kid has been locked up and not seen another child in a year. That is ridiculous. I like don't. And it's abusive. Yes. Yes. And that, you know, because there's politics behind it, the people who need to be telling the stories aren't telling the stories. Mm -hmm. But I think that that dam is breaking. It's only going to be a matter of time before yeah. somebody somebody important's child self-harms, and then we'll see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I read you a story from someone the the other day where it was a person who was trying to set up some kind of pod and was striking out with people who could be in a pod with them so that their only child could have some another kid that they could see. I mean, it's it's terrible. It's terrible. <clears throat> All right. I, I'm going to move on here, Alice, to... 
something it was in it, some of the most um, amazing four minutes that I've ever seen. Okay. And every once in a while, a barometer comes along that shows you exactly um, where you are on something. And today I saw something that showed me that we had, we'd hit, I believe, the floor. We've actually bottomed out like the stock price of um, GameSmart. Stop. Or, or GameStop, GameStop or AMC. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we've hit rock bottom when mm-hmm. it comes to be, when it comes to absolute stupidity. And I heard this concert, the symphony of stupidity today. I saw it and I am, I believe we're there. I believe we have hit the sea floor as, uh, you know, this ship. You know, I was uh, careened down, broken and battered, uh, you know, to the bottom of the ocean. I believe we've hit the sea floor. Now, it has to do with something we were talking about yesterday. Remember? <clears throat> Biden's trying to get this Biden stimulus package COVID thing passed. Mm-hmm. So they need Joe Manchin, to, who would be a swing vote. They need him to be on the team. So they send, without telling Joe Manchin, Kamala Harris... Uh, over to West Virginia, Joe Manchin State, to talk to the voters on um, on media outlets behind his back, which she does, and uh, not in an impressive way, <laughs> but she did anyway. And he was ticked off, and he said, "What the hell is this? What are you doing?" And it was a it was a move to bully, intimidate him through the voters mm-hmm. that he better be on board, and the Biden was going to get to the voters and tell them to, "Hey, you better tell your guy to be on board." And it was really a disservice considering they're supposed to be political allies. And it was really a craven, cynical thing to do without even telling him. Yeah. You wouldn't do that. I mean, that's a backstabbing thing to do. Yeah. And so he's pissed off. And why do you think he should be angry? I mean, because I think it's very transparent what this move was meant to do. Because you never see the president or the vice president Unless it's campaign season in New Hampshire or something. They're never going to these local small markets. When did you ever see Mike Pence on WHDH or something? Like, never. He j- He's not reaching out to talk about the, you know, they didn't reach out to talk about the tax cut bill. They didn't call up Boston Fox 25 and do an interview with Mike Pence. I mean, because it's weird. It's weird. So it's very transparent when you do that, when you do something that's that unusual and you go to exactly the two markets where the two swing vote senators live to talk up how great your bill is and how it's very, very important that it pass, hint, hint. It's very transparent what you're doing. And so the fact that you wouldn't even, you know, like ask to both go on and talk about it or something. Exactly. You know. That you do an end around around him and sneak in mm -hmm. around him. And also, you know, it's going to be a pain in the ass for him now because now you're going to have people saying, is it true that you're not going to support Kamala, that nice young lady's thing? And is it true? And he's got to deal with crap from his constituents based on a vote that hasn't happened yet, based on yeah. deliberations that haven't happened yet. Mm-hmm. And he's going to take that crap because they don't want to have the con- – they want to be able to bully him immediately without even having right. a discussion. They're trying to push him around, and he's pissed off because of it. And it's not only the etiquette is totally lacking, but politically you would never do this to an ally. No, you need People, his vote. You know who – last guy who would blow up somebody in the home party like this is a guy who's being <laughs> impeached right now. When you're told it was the end of the world. Yeah. 
So, I mean, this is it's it is it's a bad. This isn't my team. The Democrats aren't my team, but this is a bad move. This is uh, this is bad form. You, yeah. Just to do something. This has like a this. lot of Veep energy. Like it's just such a blatant screw up. Like whose idea was this? It's yes. so terrible. They need him to put this in right. reconciliation, but he wants to try a bipartisan solution first. And you see now, Biden had to talk to the ten. Republicans mm-hmm. that want a bipartisan solution. So he finally did meet with them. And I think it's because they screwed this up so bad that Joe Manchin is like, you better try. You better try on the bipartisan thing or I'm not going to give you the reconciliation bill. So now we get to the stupid. Mm-hmm. This is today's um, episode of The View. Okay. I'm afraid. Hosting this right now in a, in a weird, it seems like... Uh, do I know anybody in Atlanta, Alice? No. Isn't Georgia in the news? Oh, could it be the QAnon congressperson? Could be. Okay, let me get it. Hold on. Hello? 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 Hi, sir. This is, this is Martin. How are you doing today? Good, Martin. What's going on? I'm doing very well, so thank you. Did you ever watch the TV show, Martin? With Martin Lawrence? Never, never. You've never, never seen never, that? Never, never. I only watch. Oh. I only watch Huda Bim. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks, Martin. Take it easy, man. I don't know what the call was about, else. I don't know. think he was in Atlanta. What? <laughs> I think it's possible. So, um, so, so here we go. This is the view. This is Whoopi Goldberg is, um, hosting. Immediately something's odd because Whoopi just seems like this is her first time doing it, but it's fine. Okay. And I warn you, if you're listening right now, this amount of pure, uncut, stupid going to your veins could be fatal. Here we go. Welcome back. Uh, Vice President Kamala Harris did an interview with the local West Virginia TV station to make the pitch for the new COVID stimulus package. And moderate Democrat Senator Joe Manchin was not happy he didn't get a heads up about it. Take a look. I saw it. I couldn't believe it. No one called me. We're going to try to find a bipartisan pathway forward. I think we need to, but we need to work together. That's not a way of working together what was done. Okay, so let me just point this out. Joe, uh, she is the vice president. She does not work for you. She doesn't need your permission to go do this. And when you talk like that, it sounds a little bigoted, like you think you have the right to tell her. When- so where are we already? What has happened here? Somebody has hit retro rockets and Whoopi has rocketed off to Klektor 6 somewhere in the Andromeda strain. I don't know. She is not only fundamentally missed the point. But I don't know how she's on to bigot him being a bigot all of a sudden. We're all aware. Did you not know that she was the vice president? I did know. She I was knew. The vice president. I knew. Martin knew. Yeah. You know? Everybody everybody, <laughs> everybody knows that she's the vice president. That's not the point, Whoopi. I think you're missing the point. Yeah, the point is that there are several different branches of government and that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris don't run America 
they need people in Congress to no, vote no, for you stuff don't, for them. You don't. And she can and cannot come someplace. So uh, Republicans are offering less than a third of what the, President Biden requested. Less money for emergency employment benefits, smaller checks for individuals. So why would she need to come to you first or would come to him first, Sonny, when she knows what she's supposed to be talking about? Well, here we go. And if you thought the stupid's going to stop, no, the lawyer is going to make things even dumber. You just said it, Whoopi. <laughs> she doesn't need his permission <laughs> as vice president of the United States. She's actually, you know, sort of president of the Senate, right? She breaks uh, tie, uh, ties in the Senate. Dummies. <laughs> Nobody's suggesting that this is even the argument we should be having right now. We realize that as a free citizen and in her capacity as vice president and as a woman and as somebody over five feet tall and as a homo sapien that she's allowed to do, move, go or do whatever the hell she wants. We all know that. That's not the point. The point is, is that you torpedoed this guy, you backstabbed him, and it was not only a bad form moment and bad etiquette, it was a little mean among other things. And stupid. Yeah, yes, and stupid self-defeating. It's right. so much wrong with it. She's in the she's out on some TV station that had to power up just to put her on and she starts yammering about landmines. <laughs> and they're talking about that she has every right to. As a matter of fact, in some corners she's known as the president of the Senate. Well, that's right, Sonny. Very good. And I'm sure she went and was interviewed at the behest of the president of the United States. I'm quite sure that she did not do th this is excellent insight. <laughs> This is excellent really, insight. Really? You don't think that maybe people know that she's doing it on behalf of the president and that's why they're annoyed? <laughs> like, duh. Yes, we know. We know that Joe sent her out there to pressure Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema. We get it. Yes. Usually, anywhere the vice president is going to be is at the behest of the president. You know, yeah, it wasn't we know. David Ortiz didn't ask her to drop in. You know that uh, without uh, the request of the president of the United States. And I'm pretty sure that Senator Manchin knows that. Um, and so I, I was actually. Yes, that's why he's pissed off. Yeah, he does know that he knows that Biden sent her. That's yeah. why he's pissed off. He knows that Biden is telling him that he wants a bipartisan solution and then sending Kamala to his home state to push for a reconciliation bill that they can push through without a single Republican vote. That's what he knows is happening. That's why he's annoyed. So, like, I don't... Is the producer of this show, like, a turtle or something? <laughs> is this not a thinking human being? Really, um, almost offended that uh, yes, he offended, sort yeah. of uh, set set that kind of thing. I, I found it to be pretty disrespectful. Yes, um, I was surprised. It was very disrespectful that he's angry that he thinks that she should be shackled to the basement of the White House. Essentially, that's what I felt. Right, Whoopi? Yes, it was bigoted. What is wrong with these people? They're so so you know, uh, addicted to being outraged that they walked right past the argument. Well, and, and it's projection. You know, the left... The, the water's downstairs, Cyril. The left downstairs. sees race in every single interaction. You know, they see race as the primary, race and gender as the primary defining characteristics of why people do what they do. Right. So... They when they see some when they see Joe Manchin react to Kamala in a negative way, like it has to be because they're 
that's that's the first thing that oh, comes I to mind see. for them. They've stupided so, themselves. Yeah, I see. They think that everything's about race and gender. So obviously, you know, like Joe Manchin is mad at Kamala. What? Why could that be? Oh, it must be because she's a woman and she's black. That's why. Right. And she's powerful and he can't handle that. That's... <laughs> and offensive. What do you think, Joy? Well, you know, Joe Manchin is a Democrat. So, so, so this is how we know this moment was so stupid is that they're making Joy into a smart person. Joy Joy Behar is watching this, mouth agape, saying, oh my God, please don't please don't tell me we're actually on right now, and these two idiots are saying this. Please don't, please don't make me have to, unfortunately, write this ship now, which is almost in an irreversible position. Democrat, but he swings to the right. And uh, at this moment in time, the Democrats need Joe Manchin more than Joe Manchin needs the Democrats because he will always win in West Virginia. Take it in middle right of now, the- you know what this sounds like to Whoopi and Sonny? Uh, hate speech. It's pure static. <laughs> Until she says racism, racist, white supremacist. No, they're not. They're not hearing any damn word of this. Road positions, and he's got an ego problem. I'll grant you that. There's a uh, nod to Whoopi. Okay. But the guy voted for impeachment. He voted for the ACA. He's on the Democratic team, so I don't think it's a great idea alienating Joe Manchin. Right now, they're saying, "Wait a second, men attack Kamala. Mm-hmm. Men must be destroyed. How? Why is Joyce saying man doesn't must be destroyed? Yeah." Doesn't seem right. No matter how big his ego is. I'm sorry. Did, does he? Did, so you think that she needed to speak to him before she went and gave this interview? I don't know. I don't know what the protocol. Probably, probably she not. But no, we're talking. Poli- wait, wait, wait. You saying? I just want to get this straight to make sure that something dastardly is happening here uh-huh. because that's all I can react to. You're saying that she has to get that man's permission. To speak freely? Tell me that's what you're saying. Tell me that's what you're saying, Joy. The vice president. I get that, but we're talking about politics. And like I just said, the Democrats need Joe Manchin's uh, vote. He has a lot of power right now in the Democratic Party. That's all I'm saying. It's politics. She is the vice president. (laughs) She's the vice president. He works for her. Uh, No, he doesn't. (laughs) (laughs) He works for the people of West Virginia, I believe. I'm not... No, no we have something called a monarchy in this town, <laughs> Alice, or as I called it, a mononarchal monorail uh, the other day. We have a monarchy, and it goes uh, Vice President Kamala Harris at the top, President <laughs> Joe Biden next, and the rest of us way down there, including Joe Manchin, well, especially Joe Manchin, because of certain characteristics he has. <sighs> he works for her. What the frig are these people I could this two-year-old who was just in here causing trouble. I could get him up to talk about this, and he can analyze it better. This is remarkable. These people—they're wait—they get paid a lot of money to think publicly for this kind of stuff. He, but he has a vote. I, I, I get that. Well, so does she. He has a vote. Megan, what do, what do you think? I can't. Megan McCain didn't take off the like the the <laughs> lapel mic and just run the hell out of Dodge. Yeah, uh, I completely agree with Joy. Um, I, I think there are protocols uh, when you visit. Also, are we being punked right now? Because <laughs> this is crazy. 
visit someone's home state. Yes, she is the vice president, but he's still representing West Virginia. And I was surprised that they didn't do something in a bipartisan fashion simply because the Biden administration has presented itself as the unifying quote, we're fighting for the soul of the country. And to me, the, the politics of this looks like you don't really care about having a moderate Democrat on your side. And as Joy said, he's a huge, important swing vote. He's not the only Joe in Washington, D.C. with veto power. And he oftentimes does vote with Republicans and Democrats are going to need him when it comes to Whoopi's mouth is still open right now. She's not <laughs> understand. She doesn't. It, how did they make it past his attitude and bigotry? The legislation. And I'm just surprised by it. And the political message I, I interpret it as and clearly we're all seeing this through very different lenses is that if very diplomatic, Megan, mm. very diplomatic. She knows that that this kind of like depth of idiocy cannot be salvaged. She's like, let's just get through this segment. Pick ourselves off the freaking ground, hopefully to the next segment. If the uh -huh. Biden administration doesn't care about yeah, we'll be, mm -hmm. a moderate Democrat, they're sure as hell not going to care about Republicans. And I do think right now, think of how powerful it would have been having arguably the most uh, centrist Democrat, other than my own senator, uh, Kristen Sinema, making doing a press uh, avail with a bunch of, of press people and, and West Virginians saying we're fighting for the soul of the country. And that includes people in West Virginia who they are going to need moving forward. So I, I was surprised. And I think just on top of everything else, as Joy said, it's just really stupid politics on behalf of Kamala's part. Well, I think it's really disrespectful politics myself. There you go. Great. Excellent analysis, Whoopi. That is excellent. That's why we keep you on. That's great. So there you go. I apologize, oh. to everybody, for making you dumber. Yeah, everybody's lost a lot of points off their SAT score today. So just um, so you know, quickly... There is, I have never seen, and I've seen a lot of, you know, back when I was a kid, me and my brother were kids, you only had a few stations. So on the, on the in the afternoons on the news stations, I mean, four, five, and seven, whatever, uh, that was just, um, it was um, news or adult mm -hmm. stuff. It was nothing you'd want to watch as a kid. And sometimes uh, there'd be nothing else on but Channel 2 or the PBS station. And so you'd see all these animal shows, and these animal shows would show, like, the vicious tiger catches an antelope and like beats the crap out of it, right? And sometimes like you'd you'd see these antelopes like f running like, like madmen, and the cheetah comes out of nowhere and it's and it flanks the antelope and they're going as much as they can. And then the cheetah like lur lur lurches and it kills it and just rips it apart. And you see these ferocious animal scenes and it's like wow, nature is rough. I have never seen, never seen something so vicious as what happens when Daniel Dale hears that somebody is questioning something that Joe Biden said. If you're suggesting that Joe Biden, anything that he said is hypocritical or is not factual, Daniel Dale will maul you. President Joe Biden has signed dozens of executive orders, actions, and memorandums in his first two weeks in office. Some of his critics are arguing that according to something Biden himself said in October, he is behaving like a dictator. That's not true. They're taking Biden out of context. Ah, that's not true. Shooting it down immediately. We've got Locke. All right, fire and ready. And welcome to our town hall with Joe Biden, Mr. Vice President. Here's what happened. During an ABC News town hall, host George Stephanopoulos asked Biden if it's smart to carry out his plan to raise taxes on wealthy people and corporations. Is it wise to do even that when the economy is as weak as it is right now? Another 900,000 Biden people. defended his plan, and then they had this exchange. So there's not going to be any delay on the tax increases. No, well, I got to get the votes. I got to get the votes. That's why, you know, uh, 
The one thing that I, ha I have this strange notion, we are a democracy. Some of my Republican friends and some of my Democratic friends even occasionally say, well, if you can't get the votes by executive order, you're going to do something. Things you can't do by executive order unless you're a dictator. We're a democracy. We need consensus. The key word there is things. Things. Biden was saying, as he did at other moments of the campaign, that there are certain policies you can't impose via executive order. He didn't say that executive orders themselves are inherently dictator-like, and he didn't even say that doing a lot of executive orders. Well, which things, Daniel? Which things? Yeah. Can we define which ones go outside the bounds of executive power and which ones are definitely dictator-like? No, we won't be doing that. Is dictator-like. Now, here's how some of Biden's critics describe the comment. Yeah, now, President Biden said you can't legislate by executive action unless you're a dictator. Well, in one week, he signed more than 30 unilateral actions and working Americans are getting short shrift. Biden signed off on a record number of executive orders during his yeah, first week. Music. But just three months ago, according to Biden himself, that's something only a dictator would do. That is just not an accurate depiction of what Biden said. In fact, Biden explicitly campaigned on doing a bunch of executive orders. The orders he signed so far on climate change, on reversing President Trump's ban on transgender people serving in the military, and on preserving the DACA immigration program, were all orders he promised on his campaign website. Oh, what about the other ones, Daniel? What about all of the other orders? And it's also worth noting that many of Biden's executive orders simply reverse Trump executive orders that Biden's critics never complained about at the Well, wait a second then. Uh, but Trump's executive orders were bad because he was being a dictator mm -hmm. constantly. I kept being told on uh, Daniel Dale's network. The time. Today I'm about to sign two executive orders and basically the best way to describe them to undo the damage Trump has done. Now, Senator McConnell's office forcefully disagreed with our assessment that he was inaccurate here. Spokesman David Popp said that given that Biden spoke in this ABC town hall and generally on the campaign trail about the need for consensus and about the importance of working with Congress, nothing McConnell said was wrong. I just respectfully disagree. McConnell could have more fairly said, look, Biden called for consensus and is now doing a bunch of executive orders. It was just wrong, though, for McConnell to suggest that Biden is now meeting his own definition of dictator. Yeah, you um, can't so have people throwing words like that around yeah. about people. Is Daniel Dale, by the way, suggesting that um, everyone here thinks Biden meant dictator completely literally and that if you do too many executive orders in the United States, you literally are a dictator and that McConnell is taking him literally and, that is not and factual. saying he's literally a dictator? Or is was Biden making a general point that doing a lot of stuff by executive order and not seeking consensus and trying to get people on your side and working towards a compromise that a lot of people can get behind is sort of a dictatorial way of governing in a metaphorical sense. Well, Dale goes when necessary right to literal. So that's why when Joe Biden's his own man, they were suggesting he's not his own man. He is absolutely his own man. That's Joe Biden's physical being. It's carrying Joe Biden's brain. Joe Biden's uh, in intellect is inside that. So that is his own man. They can't say he's not his own man. He's absolutely his own man. That, then, is a fact, the same way he's not a dictator. Joe Biden is his own man. His campaign is run by Democrats, many of them conventional Democrats for many decades. And there, there are no shadowy figures. There are none. <laughs> Literally, no figures that are shadowy around here. <laughs> So that is Daniel Dale. In, in fact, Biden know, is often seen in the bright light of the sun where there are hardly any shadows at all. Literally. He's yep. 
totally not shadowy in any sense of the word. So that is the CNN fact checker, Daniel Dale, um, doing fact checking. That is not at all advocating for a candidate and protecting uh, somebody he seems to be uh, unhealthily in love with whatsoever. I like that they have to do this whole, like, produced package with the background music. It's like he has to prove that there's still a point to having him here on the yeah. network now, there's, that, there's now not, that there's Daniel. not a lie a minute from Trump the way Right, that and I think there's a reason why Dale is no longer in the CNN studios and is probably back up in Canada because it's been fun, Daniel, <laughs> but um, you're uh, no longer needed. But Poor the- Daniel, Dale. Um, so I've been looking out for other instances of white supremacy just in case uh, you were you know, worried about other ways you can be racist in today's America. Oh, so good. You can um, be upset that Kamala Harris showed up in your state to talk to your constituents without uh, mm-hmm. discussing it with you. That's racist. Um, and you can also wear a heavy coat and hand knit mittens to an inauguration in January. Oh, so that's um, what Bernie was doing. Yes. Is so, racist. in fact... Um, this person wrote uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle opinion section, and uh, and I guess she's a, a high school teacher. So she three weeks ago, she processed the Capitol insurrection with our high school students. Rallying, rallying our inquiry skills, we analyzed images of that historic day, images of white men storming through the Capitol, fearless and with no forces to stop them. This, I said, is white supremacy. This is white privilege. It can be hard to pinpoint, but when we see it. We know it. Um, so then the students agreed with that. But then fast forward two weeks as we analyzed images from the inauguration, asking again, what do we see? We saw diversity, creativity, and humanity, and a nation embracing all of this and more. On the day of the inauguration, Bernie Sanders was barely on our radar. But the next day, he was everywhere. He stole it. He hijacked the inauguration. What do we see? I asked again. We've been studying diversity and discrimination in the United States. My students were ready. What did they see? They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. Distant. What did we see, guys, in diversity and discrimination class now? What did we see? I'll give you a hint. It begins with R. They saw a white man in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. Distant, not only in his social distancing, but in his demeanor and Mm -hmm. attire. We took in the meaning of the day, the vulnerability of democracy, the power of ritual, traditions, Maybe the poem put them to sleep. Power. Um, they talked a lot about, they saw a lot of diversity that day. Um, and there across all of our news and social media feeds was Bernie. Bernie memes, Bernie sweatshirts, endless love for Bernie. I puzzled and fumed as an individual as I strove to be my best possible teacher. What did I see? What did I think my students should see? A wealthy, incredibly well-educated and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most... You should see a shrink, I would say. (laughs) For perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. My God. When you see privilege, you know it. I told them oh, weeks wonderful. before. That's wonderful. So I let me tell you something. If if that is white supremacy and privilege mm-hmm. and white supremacy, then I've been <laughs> wrong this whole time. I've totally misunderstood what they meant. If old guys in bad mittens are white supremacy, then I have been way off. And I apologize. Because there is I, white supremacy. Oh, yeah. It's all over the place. And it happens the same time every year, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, that's uh, that's great to know. I was uh, my takeaway actually was exactly the same about that. I noticed him distanced in his demeanor. But I remember I got you from the kitchen. Alice, come here, please. Do you mind? Come here. What do you notice? Doesn't his demeanor seem more distanced than usual? Mm-hmm. Let's say than it was yeah. last time when the uh, vice president was white. Yeah, and later in the article they say like that an, an underprivileged or like a black person would never dare to show up to such an important ritual dressed. In such a sloppy way. That might be true, actually. Very few people of any race would show up dressed like Bernie did for that. But he's his own cat. Uh, happy birthday, by the way, to Tim's dog, who his wife uh, snapped some pictures of the dog's birthday party. Uh, nice. On Twitter. Uh, and uh, you can also talk to us on Twitter. We're Burn Barrel Pod on there. Uh, we're on Facebook.com slash Burn Barrel Podcast. You can send us an email, burnbarrelpodcast at gmail.com, and find us at Tom Shattuck's Burn Barrel on YouTube. And please do leave, leave a review in stars if possible if you can. It makes yep. Apple like us more. Yep, rate, Say like, all that stuff. Thanks so much. See you later. Two more hogs got the fever. She's a hell of a doctor. She's an amazing doctor. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland, and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. 